Money FM 89.3, the best of your money. Money and me on your money, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. This is Money and Me. I'm Michelle Martin. Artificial intelligence has been talked about for decades, but many are now wondering if Microsoft's Bing is going to run circles around Google's AI chatbot. We've come a long way, haven't we? Uh, regardless of who wins the chatbot wars, many investors today are putting their wallets where their mouths are. But how exactly do you figure out which publicly owned AI plays are more than just spotlight stealers? How do you figure out which have market upside potential? Now, what's the story for COVID darlings, the vaccine companies, now that we're moving well past COVID and we're seeing Cominarty and Paxlovid sales nosedive. We're going to take a look at expectations in 2023 for pharmaceutical giants and then we'll study bond markets. Bonds saw their worst performance last year, but the tide is shifting and with it, could there be a new set of investment opportunities since bond prices uh, tend to rise when interest rates fall, right? So could fixed income assets see less pressure as we see central banks put the brakes on rate hikes this year? So a lot to cover. Should you jump on studying bonds for your portfolio in 2023? We'll figure all that out with Swapnil Mishra, who is founder of Wealth Zen, an adjunct mentor for Singapore Management University. Swapnil, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Swapnil is also a music expert, and Swapnil, the um, Super Bowl is happening right now, and there's a lot of speculation. People put money on just about anything. A lot of speculation. Which song will Rihanna sing first at the Super Bowl? Let's get your guess. Oh, I have no idea. <laughs> We're all I'm, <laughs> I'm thinking work, Swapnil. What do you think, oh, work? Okay. Yeah, work. Yeah, could be it. <laughs> could be it. Could be it. All right, let's start off our discussion this morning, Swapnil, with uh, the whole AI intelligence mania. Are your children still at it? Are you still having fun with uh, AI first up? Absolutely. Is it chat GPT? Fact, uh, absolutely. In fact, uh, you know, I must say that the not just the usage, which is, you know, like looking for questions and answers and asking it to write a poem for you, the the fact that it is uh, it can be used for applications at work so in my in my own tech product that i am building uh, mm. and of course i won't i can't disclose where exactly we are using but we okay. have managed to see that instead of 6 months of runway that you know time we had budgeted for a particular component of the solution we are mm. now exploring with chat gpt and it's likely that we can do it in less than 2 months and that's incredible i mean i mean a small company like this is able to extract benefit from this kind of tool I can't imagine the you know the benefits that the uh, rest of the world is is generating in terms of applications. That is amazing, and you're doing all this on the free platform, not the subs- you know because you have to be invited to subscribe, right? Yes. So I mean, they are beginning. There are now companies that help you integrate with them through APIs. You're able to yeah. actually build a solution which is built on their solution. Wow! And, wow! And, and amazing! It has been so quick yeah. to react. So that's the I mean that has been. The most exciting part has been in, in a span of just a month or two months. Intermediaries, you know, companies that are building uh, solutions around the chat GPT have just cropped up out of nowhere. <laughs> and and uh, that's really exciting. It is, it is. Um, so what are some of the pure plays or are, are there more than just pure plays? The ETFs maybe, even the companies to play the um, AI intelligence mania? 
So I would actually put this into three categories when it comes to investing. And so one is, of course, the ETF, which is the most broad-based, diversified, and, and there are many there. We have existing, which is, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, robotics one, which is called BOTS, B-O-T-Z. There's another First Trust, NASDAQ, uh, AI and Robotics ETF, ROPT. So these have been around for a while. Uh, so these are obviously more broad-based, diversified, and allow you to participate in that sector as a whole, not specific technologies, but rather the sector of artificial intelligence. The second category, would I would go back to the stocks, as in the large names. And, and, and it's very interesting to see the landscape for uh, Google, which is sitting on data, uh, Microsoft, which is clearly a challenger. You know, they've come out with this, uh, you know, to capture market share, both in case of the search and in their other solutions uh, linked to the natural language processing. Uh, and even companies like Baidu and Nvidia. So, so, so it's 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 also possible to play this, you know, chat GPT or an AI focus uh, on the basis of these big six or seven names, and counting on their application or their you know, the growth that they will generate on the basis of these technologies. So I think that's that's the second. The third is to actually identify smaller boutique niche companies, which is very very challenging because you know then you're looking for your Cambridge Analytica type of companies, which mm-hmm. are small, boutique, and I mean, many of them won't even be listed, and then going deep down and, and investing in that company, which is, I would say, the most difficult. So for investors, a mix of you know, the large uh, tech companies and uh, ETFs would probably be a good, uh, good way to participate. Well, it's a good way to look at it. The ETFs and the, the seven big companies involved in the AI craze and then drilling down to um, maybe some pure plays or smaller companies maybe at very early stages of their commercial development who are part of the sector moving forward, right? Yeah. And, and, and the, okay. the challenge for the smaller companies, actually the challenge even for Microsoft, right? if you compare Microsoft's technology versus Google's data, if you mm-hmm. use Gmail, if you watch YouTube, and if you use Google Maps, yeah. your, you know, Google knows you better than probably your own spouse because <laughs> they track everything. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> so, you know, so that's... Uh, now, Microsoft doesn't have that uh, right now. So, so this is the classic challenge where technology is being built and experiments are being done while there are some people who are sitting with a lot of data. And it's that intersection which will create... Uh, you know, true value, because that's then disruptive. Okay, because no one is certain if Microsoft can use uh, OpenAI to really cut deeply into, as you say, Google's big hold on all of us, uh, 90% uh, its hold on the internet search industry. And China's Baidu coming into the action this week as well, right? With its own chat GPT-style tech, Wensin, Ernie Bot, I think that's what it's called. And that, just when it was announced, we saw Baidu stock, uh, ratchet up 15% on the back of that news. So, you know, uh, actually, that's the other interesting part. What is happening is, because last year, I mean, if you see NASDAQ was down like more than 30%, right? Mm-hmm. The, the entire tech sector was waiting for some good news. And, and I think that is also happening where suddenly, the, you know, all the faith mm-hmm. that was lost <laughs> is now coming back. And <laughs> That's so, true. I think that's the other factor here. Oh. That's really interesting. Tech has been in a funk. And could this be uh, the re- inflection point for it? When, when you look at the ETFs, I mean, do they look like, you know, very broad based, nothing really exciting there or, or worth taking a look at the ETF market? 
No, they're definitely interesting. I mean, they're concentrated. So, you know, if you take bots and ROBT, you can also do the semiconductor because those are also closely interlinked. Or you can go if you want something which is, uh, again, at an application level, disruptive technology, then you can go back to the ARC, which is, again, you know, has lost a lot of its attention and love over the last one year. So mm. all of these are, are uh, concentrated enough to be called a sector or a theme, which means they will be volatile, but they will be, you know, your return expectations will be twice that of, let's say, a NASDAQ, because you're not buying this kind of ETF to earn, you know, 15%. That's not your target return. So you're taking the risk. So I think if there is a small capital which is allocated specifically for uh, disruptive AI technology, then uh, these uh, these are, um, uh, they definitely help you participate without the, I would say, the stress of, you um, searching for those names. Yeah, yeah. Besides ARC, I was looking at two others. Besides ARC, everything else is up. So ARC is down uh, 2.15% this morning. I was also looking at C3AI, uh, in, interesting one, up 1.65%. Uh, Global X Robotics and Artificial Intelligence ETF, that also up 1.47%. All right, so apart from... AI, and you know, we could talk about this forever. I want to switch to the COVID vaccine companies. I read a really interesting article questioning whether or not Pfizer and uh, Johnson and Johnson do they have life beyond COVID? So Barron saying that with Pfizer in particular, with its pack pipeline and its growing R and D spending and potential deals, there is more to the drug maker. Do you agree with that stance? I think the broader trend. Uh, is going to play a bigger factor than a, an isolated event like uh, COVID. So isolated event like COVID, only the players who could find, you know, who found the vaccine, of course, there was a clear jump in their valuations and we saw the stocks, you know, obviously spiral out of control. They have also, of course, retraced by significantly and yet they are up quite significantly if you take them, compare it to their pre-COVID levels. So mm-hmm. even with all the correction, they are still you know, a, a good 100-200% above their pre-COVID levels. I think the more important aspect here would be on... Uh, so let's look at this way. Traditionally, mm-hmm. even in countries where research and development money is not spent, you know, significantly as a percentage of GDP, pharmaceutical actually is one of the biggest beneficiaries of R&D and of, you know, anything which is to do with research spending. And it's historically been the case because some of it is linked to a higher degree of certainty in terms of commercialization of that research and which means they are able to make money from the research and not just, you know, uh, conduct the research and, and, and lose it in the, uh, the risk of experimentation. So what is interesting is that pharmaceutical or healthcare as a sector has received in even more than the normal course of allocation of uh, capital uh, thanks to COVID. And to me, that is uh, going to benefit a, a sector as a whole, especially if you combine it with the macro trends. So I would I would say the sector is going to benefit from this event. And while valuations in the short run may suffer because of excessive, you know, the P ratio going crazy, but the sector as a whole is definitely going to benefit. That's a very interesting analytical point of view. So looking way past demand. Uh, in yeah. in the coming years, and really looking at capital allocation into this sector globally. Correct, and wow, that's also that's been that's... linked to linked to trends like if you see the aging, right? So if you see 2050, uh, the projections yeah. of how the average age of people on this planet is going to increase, and that aging combined with uh, increased affluence, which means, in fact, the other day I came across the term age tech. 
so there is a whole you know segment which is going to come out for mm. healthcare for aging again a lot of the research is getting focused towards solutions for this particular segment and all of that is value creation because these businesses never existed 20 years back and who better to be at the forefront of these businesses than the healthcare companies who have the money who have the data and who have the i would say the experience of of uh, research uh, and development over the last many years wow so even though the world has stopped worrying about covid doesn't minimize uh, the importance of pharmaceutical companies really great sopnil let's move on to bond markets uh, do you notice anything unusual happening in bond markets uh, that are affecting stocks right now for example are you seeing dampening interest are you seeing increasing interest in bond markets and is that dampening interest in stocks so i would say this is we have to first put it in context of what happened last year right? so last year bond markets had one of the worst performances and 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 it's really sad to see that a lot of investors who probably bought into short term low with a with a shorter time horizon they bought into uh, funds or products which promised them stability actually ended up giving returns which was like you know minus 10% minus 12% and and all on the back of obviously the you know fed action so coming from coming out of this situation which was last year where bond markets performed so poorly this definitely is is a much better starting point so so now in fact the in fact the challenge is the other one having burned their fingers in fixed income last year the confidence mm-hmm. is yet to come today the, there is the the lack of confidence in the fixed income market is actually for three reasons i would say first is mm-hmm. the 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 past experience which is the immediate experience has been so negative that you know there's lack of confidence second is the uncertainty still on inflation and fed action we still don't yeah. know whether we are out of the woods and whether fed will cut or will it not cut so there's an uncertainty directly linked to that event and the third is how much are the earnings going to affect the uh, the the debt for corporates so there is this you know fear that oh will the emerging markets what if the earnings are so poor that the companies are not able to service their debt and the interest rates are high so there is lack of confidence and i think these three factors combined are hesitating uh, including myself so i i have hmm. i have been <laughs> gradually increasing but every time i increase allocation i'm like oh, you know is it is this time yet or should i still hold on to cash and that's the dilemma interesting interesting uh, i mean a lot of this seems to be around also there's this question of whether or not um interest rates are expected to fall in the mid middle this year uh, towards the end of next year none of us have the crystal ball but we know that bond prices tend to rise when interest rates fall so you know the expectation is that fixed income assets could see less pressure uh with the pausing or the slowing of interest rate hikes um but as you're saying you are you yourself are expressing some caution about jumping on the bond bandwagon Yes, because these other, I would say, the three concerns. Okay, last year is 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 an is more an exception because uh, it was it was a very high you know inflation and the Fed had had to make a choice between manage inflation or manage the markets and they decided mm-hmm. to manage inflation. So mm-hmm. uh, I would say this year it would be a gradual transition into going a full allocation into fixed income, and and that is where. the element of cash comes into play somehow cash as an asset class is always you know treated as a rounding off and i feel it is not a rounding off it's a number which is you have to consciously decide how much cash is going to be there and so i would say cash is going to be the asset class where you can put money while you are slowly increasing fixed income allocation 
over the next six months or so. That's how I would I would view it. I mean, what does this scenario mean for stocks? So for stocks, if you if you take the consensus, I mean, if you look at all the ten banks reports, they all have kind of <coughs> sorry, they've taken a they've taken a middle stance. So all of them have said, more or less, conviction is aligned in a balanced view. So not very bullish, not very bearish, somewhere in the middle. Now, somewhere in the middle poses definitely a challenge for investors um, yes. in terms of what exactly to do. But yeah, so I, I would say a mixed view of the market, the outlook in terms of consensus. Oh, no, that has just anticipated my, my last question for you. And that is really about this bull versus bear struggle. So tell us from your perspective, you know, uh, when it comes to this bull versus bear struggle, will interest rates cause a recession or not? Which camp are you in? Don't tell me you're on the fence. <laughs> okay, so I'll tell you, see, being in a camp is is like having a view. And I feel what we really need is, what is the action that we need to take? So, uh, it's, 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 um, in this particular case, okay. mm-hmm. I would say the action that is needed is one, allocation to cash has to be made. So, if you take a traditional 60-40 uh, comparison, which is you put 60% of your money in uh, fixed income or bonds or less volatile products and 40% in equity, which give you growth and give you higher returns. Yep. In this 60-40, there is no cash. So, you have mm-hmm. to firstly carve out cash you know, fixed income and from equity. Uh, and in this particular case, you can carve out, let's say, 15% from fixed income and 5% from equity, which means your mm-hmm. ratio would become 60 minus 15, which is 45 and 20 in cash and 35 in equity. Now, this mm-hmm. kind of a position today allows mm-hmm. you to add more Pivot. over the year, Got over it. the next six months. So so this is, this is the way I would translate the, you know, the view of bull versus bear, where I would put myself in the moderately bullish strategy. Uh, So not right in the center, not in the bearish camp, uh, slightly uh, bullish camp. And that's how I would reflect. So it's it's this actionability, which is, I feel, which is lacking uh, in terms of, uh, you know, uh, availability with the investors. Uh, And then, I mean, you have to calibrate it for yourself, of course. This is is, with all this. Actionability. I love that theme. All right. Uh, speaking of uh, action, it's time for music action, Swapnil. What song best describes today's stock market? So I was thinking of Harry Styles, as it was. <laughs> as <laughs> it I like the, was. I like the chorus because it says, you know, it's not the same as it was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so 2023 is not the same as it was, <laughs> as 2022. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm going to have to look through those (laughs) lyrics Uh, in this world. uh, Okay, it's not the same as it was in this world. Okay, got it. Got it, Swapnil. Very apt, as always, on the money. (laughs) Thank you so much for joining us this morning, Swapnil. Always appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you. Swapnil Mishra, founder of Wellsen and adjunct mentor at the Singapore Management University, joining us this morning in Money and Me. We've been talking about ways to play the AI craze, whether COVID vaccine companies have a life beyond COVID, and if there's anything unusual in the bond markets affecting stocks right now. Also, if there is a bull versus bear struggle, which camp could you be in and what could that mean for action moving forward? I'm Michelle Martin. Thanks so much for joining me this morning in Money. 
Money and Me. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download our audio app. That's A W E D I O. Available on Google Play or the App Store.